Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI, Y-O-S-H-I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI. You're listening to... Yoshi Obayashi. All right, uh, welcome to the new episode of Yoshi Den. And Joe, I guess I'm in uh, Venice, right? Yeah, we're in Venice. Um, am I pronouncing your last name right? Prano, right? Prano, yeah. Some, I, I, I could have sworn someone was making fun of me for pronouncing it all wrong. Uh, no, I mean, I think it's technically got a little bit more Italian, like Prano or something yeah. like that. But since we got here to America, we're going with Prano. And... You know, I have to say, you you have well, how many podcasts do you you run? I am on two podcasts. I I have the Dirty Sports podcast that I do with Andy Ruther, and then the Kooks of Comedy, uh, which is a surfing and comedy podcast that I do with Lachlan Lachlan Patterson. Okay, uh, Lachlan is of course the second place, uh, when, uh, second place in last comic standing for last season. Our fu- our buddy and a very funny guy, nice yeah. guy, and. The, the sports one is the one I listen to, and uh, it's great because you you guys are pro your prototypical East Coast guy have op- strong opinions about yeah. your sports, and I think w- is it safe to say that, that you probably have a, more listeners who hate your team and your position? Absolutely, I think it's funny because people listen to these podcasts and they think they they are always like you're such a Giants homer, you're such a New York homer, and it's like they're so used to watching. ESPN where no one makes gives an opinion that it's like I have an opinion I root for the Giants I root for the Mets whatever that people just hate me and they just call me oh you're a Giants homer fuck you they you know because I hate the Cowboys I hate the Eagles I hate so many teams that all those fans hate me everybody just thinks I'm such a Giants homer and they won't get off my back but that's that's what you're supposed to Right, right, exactly, because I mean, I'm just a fan too, just like everybody, you yeah. know. Um, and it's a podcast. I don't have to be. I don't have to pretend. I don't. I don't have uh, a team. So I'm a Giants fan, and probably more than I am any other fan of any other sports team. Like I'm a big Giants fan. So during football season, everybody just hates me for being a Giants fan. And I love. I love that because. You know, this is something that I think people in the West Coast can't really relate to. By the way, Joe is a very funny comedian, podcaster, and and he's also and I think you're very modest, but I'm I'm going to say it. You are the one of the major star for that talking shit podcast. Oh, thank you. And, you know, and that's how I, I've, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm still relatively new to talking shit too. I've only I only think I went on for the first time like less than a year ago now. Um, and that's where I met you doing doing your name shit. pops up a lot. Like whenever I did a show, like um, a couple of talking shit, people show up and your name, obviously Eddie F, of course. Right. Your name and uh, Lachlan and yeah. uh, Jim Pomp and stuff like that. So, it's a fun show. I love I just I love getting getting dirty with those guys. And, you know, I, I love the fact you're a sports fan and I'm from Seattle. So, you know, yes, finally Seahawks won, but we don't have a history of winning. Yeah. And we don't know rivalry. 
the way you guys know in New York City. Like, I love listening to Bill Simmons, but he make no apologies at all. He's a big Boston guy. Right. And you're a big New York guy. And the first time I went to Boston was in 2008 when when they were playing the Super Bowl. That was my actually my first day. And I actually had a Giants t-shirt <laughs> nice. underneath, uh, underneath my sweater and the jacket. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that New England's going to win. Oh, every, everybody that, did. That one, everybody thought they were going to win. <laughs> Even I thought that my strategy, I was so happy that we, we got there. And I watched every playoff game in my apartment in Brooklyn. So I was like, well, I'm not going to mix it up now. I'm not going to go to a Super Bowl party or whatever. I'm just going to have the same people that have been here for the last couple of weeks come to my place. And I started drinking at like two or three hours before game time. And I was like, I'm just going to crush beers until it's a blowout. Or, yeah. or, or if we somehow win. And I mean, I must have been 30 beers in when we won, and I—that's—that's that's the most I've ever celebrated anything. I just turned my music up full blast and was like dancing on my kitchen counter for like two hours. I was so hungover the next day, but it felt so good to be. That's. Uh, do you think that's was there any championship won in New York City after 9/11? Was that the first one? That was. That might have been the first one because the the, the the Yankees didn't win again until because Yankees went um, to World Series with Arizona, but right, they lost, lost that year. Yeah, yeah, and I don't remember them. I I think they I think I they, think won, they like, won again after that. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. So this yeah. this this was great, and not only that, um, to me, I, mean, I always have soft spot for Giants because I've always been a fan of uh, Bill Parcell and Lawrence yeah. Taylor. Because Lawrence Taylor, if, for those of you listening to this show overseas, he changed football. I mean, he, absolutely. Uh, you know, he was a linebacker. He was a middle linebacker, right? Outside linebacker. Outside linebacker. Yeah. But he changed the game so much. He put fear into other uh, quarterbacks and other. That side. was the greatest. That that was really when I became a Giants fan. Was during that. You know, in the in the middle eighties. You know, Parcells, Lawrence Taylor, and it was in, it was incredible because this guy was just doing it his own way and people would even say like how are you going to prepare for you know Barry Sanders this week you guys are playing the Lions he's like I don't prepare for anybody everybody prepares for me yeah that's like he didn't care who you had on your team who your quarterback was who your running back was he's just going to kill everybody and it was just so awesome to watch Lawrence Taylor as a kid and and know this might be the best defensive player of all time yeah he's yeah, I mean, Joe Theismann when when when, um, when Joe Theismann, who used to play for Redskin, yeah, I, I was watching that game as a kid, and if you have not seen it, you should. Well, I don't know. Should I even recommend people to see it? <laughs> it's most one of the most horrific things I've saw saw in sports. You know, I mean, basically he destroyed the guy's career. I yeah. mean, he was done after yeah. when he got hit by Lawrence there. That was it. He, there was no going back. You know. Yeah, and that's the thing is like. Lawrence Taylor, too, he wasn't like a bad guy. You know, he obviously had a lot of trouble with drugs and he did this. You know, he's pretty crazy off the field. But if you watch that play, he hits him, he hurts him. And immediately he's calling for people to get out there and help. You know, he's calling for the trainers and the ambulance, all that. You can see him feel bad. So he's just playing football the way he knows how to play football. He wasn't like some of these guys who stand over people they hurt. Like, yeah, I just got you. He was, you know, he was like, "Come on, get out here with the cart and fix this." Because I think he was. I, I saw it recently, maybe like six months ago, and I, some people thought he was like celebrating, screaming, whatever. 
No, he was screaming because he, it was such a horrific hit that he did to this yeah. guy. They, you know, he didn't know how uh, how to deal with it. But yeah, I mean, you basically got hit by a truck or something. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always love defense. Bill Belichick, who is the coach for uh, Patriot right now, was assisting coach. Yeah, that Parcells, that Parcells coaching tree is. Tom insane. Coughlin was amazing. Coughlin was on that. Uh, Parcell or uh, Coughlin and uh, and Belichick, like you said, and there's a, there's a couple of other guys I think that even came from that. I'm I'm blanking on who they are now, but like maybe Gruden was a part of that uh, huge, system. Uh, yeah, tree. Yeah, just all these guys who were. Oh, John Fox. John Fox was an assistant on that team. Who's now the coach of the Broncos? Who became the uh, defensive coordinator? Sean Payton, who's yeah. the coach of the Saints now, was one of our offensive guys. All these guys who eventually became. Um, Assistants for us were, you know, assistants under Coughlin. And I, I, I don't know if you ever read this article that Parcel wrote, but he wrote it for um, Harvard University. It was like one of those Harvard Business School case study. And, you know, he wrote in this four or five page thing that he explained his style of managing. He said it doesn't matter if it's football or if you're managing hotel business or airlines, people are people. And yeah. you have to instill. Um, Clarity. There's no misunderstanding what you expect from them. And you got to get rid of people who's not providing you uh, a good attitude. And uh, it was a clear-cut way. I mean, you could have applied in the military, but I, I always been a fan of a Parcel because he was a great coach, but also he was incredibly good PR and someone who was good at talking to, um, you know, uh, yeah. journalists. He was he like was that. just straightforward guy. He just said. Said it, told it like it was, you know what I mean? And and I think that went a long way. And he came back and obviously was really successful with the Jets and took them to the AFC Championship game. Patriots as well. Yeah, yeah. Patriots. And, and he was just it's, – it's, it takes a special kind of guy to be able to deal with the media in New York and in Boston. And, I mean, he was even in Dallas for a while. Like, you know, the Cowboys are obviously big. And he's just the kind of guy who – he's just going to tell it like it is. This is how I feel. And who's going to tell Bill Parcells he's wrong at this point? So – yeah, and um, I think what he was doing is putting pressure away from his player and putting it on himself. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, for you, they won many championships, but they have four Super Bowls. But, I mean, to you, which one was your favorite one? Oh, definitely the the first one with Eli Manning, the one where we beat the Patriots. Yeah. 18 and 0. I mean, not they were 16 and 0 at the yeah, time, right? Yeah, 18 and 0. Yeah, 18, 18 and 0. I mean, they were 16 and 0 in the regular season, and then they they had they got a bye, obviously, and then they won both of their playoff games, and that was a year for for the Giants. First of all, being a, a Giants fan my whole life, it was one thing to be a kid with Parcells and Lawrence Taylor and Phil yeah. Sims and all that stuff, but being older. And we'll get into it later, but like I'm friends with a lot of the family of the Giants that 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 own the team, the Maras. Being able to watch the whole that whole team get put together, Eli Manning and uh, you know Strahan at the end of his career, and then uh, Tiki Barber retired the year before. And he was and, talking a lot of and shit. He about talked the a name. lot of shit. He talked about Eli Manning not being a leader. He talked about Tom Coughlin not having the locker room and not being a good coach and and all that stuff. And no one really believed that, and, and and Tiki immediately became an enemy. And then down the stretch in that season, we really needed to win some games to get in, and and we won we won in, at Buffalo in the snow. I think it was like Christmas Day or Christmas Eve um, to get into the playoffs. And then that run, I mean, the teams that they beat in the in the playoffs, they beat um, the Cowboys, who we had lost to twice 
during the regular season. We're 13 and three. We beat them in Dallas. Then we beat uh, Favre in his last game as a Packer in the snow in like minus 20 That's for the right. NFC Championship mm-hmm. game on an interception uh, in overtime. And then we went down and kicked the field goal. And then the 18 to no Patriots, who we played pretty close uh, in in week 17. And that's the thing that uh, people sometimes forget because I think um, New England Patriots barely won that game. And yeah. to my impression was Giants that, hey, we're not intimidated these guys. Yeah. In fact, it could one turnover or whatnot could have been one way or another. So I think Giants knew that they could hang with these guys. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And the thing was, any other year, the Patriots might have sat everybody on their team, but they were 15-0. and 0, So they had to play to win the game. For a perfect season, no right. one had ever gone sixteen to zero in the regular season. So we beat them. Well, we we played that game close. Yeah, and and I don't think the Giants were scared at all going into the Super Bowl. And I mean that game was also the best Super Bowl. I know as a Giants fan, it's a little biased, but that's the best Super Bowl I ever seen. I mean they had to convert on third down twice on that final drive, and then the fourth down play, which. Eli's basically being pulled down, escapes, throws yeah. a pass downfield, helmet catch. Like, it was just incredible. That was that was the best Super Bowl I've ever seen. I mean, I, you know, I, because I was watching with this bunch of these guys that I met in Vegas, and I was visiting Boston for the first time watching it, right? And even, like, the first quarter, I, it, they had an excellent plan, which is keep the ball away from Tom Brady, right? Yeah. And the running game. But they were just beating the hell out of um, <laughs> New England Patriots, but fourth quarter, because the position time was so long for Giants, I, I could tell that uh, a lot everyone in the room, except for me, they're all uh, Patriot fans, they kind of knew back of their head, like, fuck, we're in trouble. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, ju- they're just, they were in control of the whole game, I thought, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing. That's the thing with the Giants, I, I think, is different than a lot of teams is, we really struggled that year just to get in the playoffs because guys were hurt. And a lot of times teams will play their players if maybe they're questionable. They'll say, just play. We need you to win. Sure. And the Giants never do that. If you're if you're hurt, it's sit out because we might need you down the end of the year. And so down at the end of the year, all of our defensive linemen that were in and out the whole year came back. And we had Strahan and Tuck and Yuminyora and Kiwanuka all on the line together. And just with all those guys healthy, the pass rush was insane. And we just got to Tom Brady the whole day. It was just a lot of sacks, a lot of pressure, a lot of, you know, hitting him. And, and that's a, it's a different game when you're hitting the quarterback. And you guys were the absolute the worst team for the Patriots to play against yep. because you guys did two things well. You guys could pass the ball. But the rush the passer and those four or five guys you had a defensive line. Yeah. Sorry for those of you listening to this if you don't follow football, but I I I I, I watched that game multiple times, and I I, I just that uh, whole you know I was just hoping for a good game. It really was one of the yeah. greatest games I ever saw. I mean, just that final drive the Giants had with the helmet catch and then the third down catch. It's like. It was crazy. And then, you know, the the next Super Bowl they played is obviously a, a great Super Bowl as well. Same thing. They had to go down and get a touchdown. But that first one is just, I mean. It's like it was better. Not even Hollywood movies yeah, could have done it like, better. Yeah, yeah. People, if you if you did that in the Hollywood movie and the guy pins the ball on his yeah. helmet and almost hits the ground, you'd be like, oh, whatever. That would never happen in real life. But it did, you know. And, and Eli Manning get, just getting away from that, that tackle on that play. It was just, that's the best 
that's the best championship for me as a fan that I've ever experienced. Because um, they play in Arizona, so yep. you know, um, for those of you who don't know, Bill Simmons is a huge sports uh, commentator and podcaster and writer for ESPN. He's a huge Boston fan. Even he's talking about just how horrific the idea yeah. that they're going back. If they go to Super Bowl, they have to go back to the scene of the crime. Yeah, yeah, this uh, year again, yeah. right? And um, I'm I'm just hoping that if it if if it is New England, it will be Seattle, New England, because the coach for the Seattle, Pete Carroll, used to be coach of New England Patriots. Right. So there's a lot of interesting storyline. But um, going back to Giants, uh, one other thing that I, I really appreciate because older people sometimes don't get credit for their ability, not their inability to change with time. Tom Coughlin, who is still coach for the New New York Giants. He had a reputation being a militant, really hard ass. Yeah. And I think he was kind of losing the players, you know. But before that season, he changed. I mean, he he become more flexible, become more a player's coach. And it's a perfect ending for the season because I, I, I thought he was a jerk for a long time. I mean, when, when he was a coach for Jacksonville, you hear stories about yeah, him. Yeah, no, he's definitely from, uh, you know, an old school kind of system where very military, very you know, yell at you and, and even he would yell at guys on the field. And I think, I think the great thing about Tom Coughlin is, uh, Mike, him and Mike, Michael Strahan had beef. You know, Michael Strahan was the star player on the team for a long time. And he, he got, he got punished for showing up on time to a meeting. Um, cause when Tom Coughlin say, certain time you're supposed to be there five yeah. minutes before that five time. minutes early so that we can start on time yeah and so he find him and he he got him in trouble and there was a big beef and you know the relationship that those two guys had he respected michael strahan and michael strahan you know has talked about this he basically said look it's we're kind of beyond that part of the of coaching like you can't be that guy anymore that that's cool in the 60s and the 70s right. and the 80s but nowadays everybody's kind of a pampered rich athlete you have to and they kind of met in the middle they really were enemies for a long time and michael strahan got a little bit more serious and yeah. tom coughlin got a little bit looser yeah. and together that you know the captain and the leader of our team and our coach came to the same point and that set the tone for everybody this is the way it's going to be if those two guys are on the same page, then we got to be on the same page, and and really that was the that was the key that unlocked the whole championship, I think. And um, well, you know, I got to keep repeat this thing over and over, but for those of you listening overseas, the quarterback is the most important position for uh, NFL football. Eli Manning, who is the younger brother Peyton Manning, who played who played for Colts and now played for Denver Broncos, and Peyton have a better statistics. Yeah, uh, far and, better, uh, far better, but. If I have to choose which career I would prefer, it's Eli Manning because for you to go to Super Bowl both times and beat such a great New England Patriot team, yeah. But the first time around, I mean, nobody. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I was hoping for a close game. I, I, I was like blown away. I mean, it, it was so, so exciting for me to be in. But it was so bad, <laughs> When I was walking out of my friend's house, and uh, why am I forgetting their baseball stadium? Um, Fenway. Fenway. I saw kids, young kids were crying streets and stuff, you know, because they just, you know, they, they blocked the whole neighborhood. They just assumed they're going to win. Well, it. I mean, not only had they were they 18 and 0 and and so dominant the whole year, but they'd also won Super Bowls 
they they they'd already won three Super Bowls in the past, you know, ten years. Yes. Like they won in two thousand one and two thousand two and I think two thousand four. So they're in the midst of what they consider, you know, a dynasty. Sure. So of course they they won they won games they never should have won in Super Bowls. They're eighteen and zero. Everybody just expected this to be the greatest team ever, and statistically it was. I mean, if that team goes nineteen and zero, there's no doubt that that's the best team ever. And it's arguable that they're still the best team right. ever. They just didn't win the one, the one most important one. Because Miami Dolphins uh, won two Super Bowls in, in a row in the early 70s. Yeah. One year, they were perfect. But back those days, you only played 14 games right. a season. And then they had to win two, I think. To, you know, I think they play a championship game, and then they play a, a Super Bowl. So they were 16-0, and I think, on the year. But you were saying you know, Eli versus Peyton. I mean, obviously, Peyton is the far superior quarterback statistics and yeah. everything like that. But it, I've always said this, and this is one of the things that on my podcast people say, oh, you're such a giant homer. Why don't you suck Eli Manning's dick and blah, 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 blah. But if you were the GM of a team and you had somebody that came to you and said, this is the future. You can draft this guy, and he's going to put up all these stats that Peyton right. had and everything. Or you can draft this guy whose stats are going to be shaky, but he'll win two Super Bowls. You can't, you can't pick the guy who's going to have the whole, the whole name of the game is Super Bowls. That's it. That's what you're there for. And it's not even just winning the Super Bowl in you know, such a dramatic way. You know? And he was the MVP in both games. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I don't know if this is appropriate, but I, I like Eli because he's he's Peyton's more serious, funny guy. Eli's a little goofy, right? Yeah. I like I like that about him. But did you watch Guardians of the Galaxy? I haven't seen it. No. Okay. Chris Platt's character, he's almost kind of like the kind of goofy chubby Han Solo type right yeah but to me Eli is that guy like a goofy guy but when it comes to that 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 day of the series playoff and championship he fucking delivered man I mean it, it, I, I you know I, I like that second Super Bowl too yeah I mean you know you're talking New England is dynasty I mean, yeah if, if you want to if you're being honest about it you you go five what how many five Super Bowls five Super Bowls yeah and one three yeah, and, and and they went to five Super Bowls in ten ten years, basically. Sure. Um, absolutely. I mean, you know, you you talk about Eli Manning, how he's like, the the thing about Eli, I've met Eli Manning a couple times, and I've talked to him, and and <laughs> of course he, you did. <laughs> he's he's the same person, whether it's on the field, off the field, talking to the press, talking yeah. to you in the Super Bowl, not in the Super Bowl preseason game. Like I would talk to him in the locker room after the game, and and I'd say. Hey, uh, so, you know, that was a pretty good one. Are we going to win next week in Carolina? And he would just be like, oh, man, Joe, you know, it's going to be tough. We're just going to go out there and, uh, and, and you know, tr- take it play by play and, uh, and, and come out there with uh, our game plan. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, if we work hard and everybody does their part and, and you're like, it's, it's cool. Like, I'm a person. You can talk. But he talks to me the same way he talks to the press, the same way he talks to his mom. I'm sure the same. He's just that guy. That's him. Wait, so – so you guys are in a, like first name basis. Well, I, so we've talked about it uh, off air, but uh, I'll tell you guys who are listening. I'm friends with uh, my friend Dan. His, his family is the Maras. They so they own uh, the Giants. They've owned the Giants for a long time. So his name is Dan Mara. Dan Mara, yeah. And <laughs> okay. uh, and they actually share the team now with another family, the Tish family. Um, but forever, you know, the the Mara family has owned the Giants going back, you know. 
you know, probably 1925 or yeah, something, something like yeah. that, like a long, a long time. You know, his great grandfather owned the team. And then his grandfather was obviously a big, you know, one of the guys who set the foundation for the NFL, Wellington Mara, whose name is on, you know, the Duke. If you look at the NFL football, it says the Duke. That's Wellington Mara. He's on every football that's, you know, printed. So uh, Dan is his his dad is, you know, he's one of the Maras and his mom is one of the Roonies. So they own the Steelers. So it's crazy. Uh, he's a he's a Mara and a, and a Rooney. And uh, his sister's on House of Cards and his other sister's the girl with the dragon tattoo. So your your sorry. So your friend Dan is the older brother of Kate and Rooney Mara. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know be, because I I, I know th I I think the the Rooney part that uh, the Pittsburgh I think one of their uh, uncle or great uncle whoever it is was the ambassador to Ireland. Yes, you know? yeah. So you know I. I for those of you who follow NFL and stuff, you know, I, I love, I, I consume that football shit. You know, this is just so fun to follow, but I don't, I, that's like, to me, like the Kennedys, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it, and it's, it's, it's the Rockefellers that, uh, Johnson and Johnson, you know? Yeah. The and, Roonies are, and, and that, that's a family too. That's like a, you know, their, their, their family goes back. There's, there's five brothers and they go back forever in the NFL as well. But yeah, ambassador to Ireland, like that's a big, they own racetracks and casinos all over the country. That's a family that's like it, it done so much. And then part of it is the Steelers, which obviously is a huge deal in Pittsburgh. And then the Maras are really, the Maras are just the giants. Like that's what the Mara family is, has done. Right. And, 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 but, but together there's two of the gr the great NFL families, and during the combination of ten Super Bowl yeah, rings, yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, so I go and I hang out with Dan. I go to the games. I'll, but, but before before you jump to that, can, yeah. So you you're born and raised in New York City? No, I was well. I was born in New York City, and I was raised up in Westchester County, so okay. uh, Bedford or Bedford Katona area in Westchester, about forty miles north of the city. And, and and you always had a uh, ambition of becoming a comic when you were young? No, not at all. I mean, when I was young, I wanted to be an athlete. You know, I thought I was going to be a baseball player or basketball player or football. You player. You look like Just, a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I played I played football, basketball, baseball my whole life, and uh, and you know, obviously being white, and I mean, I'm pretty tall. I'm six four, but not like super tall. So it was like pretty clear. Probably not going to the NBA, and then um, I stopped playing football as a freshman in high school because I was really small and then I had a growth spurt and I, I started playing again my junior year junior and senior year of, of high school but I never stopped playing baseball or you know so I always just thought I'd be a, a ball player and uh and you know you obviously at some point you realize like I'm not going to the big leagues and so I decided to I was like what else would I want to do and I was a big fan of Letterman I would stay up late at night and watch Letterman and I sure. was like I want to be I want to be David Letterman so I went to school for broadcasting, uh, broadcast journalism, and and you know I hosted a radio show and did uh, was the, uh, the the program director of the radio station and worked as a TV station. And then when I was in college, I started doing stand up because I read a biography of Letterman that said you know he worked at the Comedy Store when he was out here. Sure. And so I was like, well, if I have a broadcasting background and I have a comedy background, then I'll be all set to host a show one day. And you have a 
good radio slash podcast TV voice too. You Thank know? you. Yeah. I I when I started doing radio, I hated my voice. I hated hearing it. I always thought I was sounded way too nasal, and I thought, well, who you know. But but then while I was even in college, it was like you could tell radio was kind of going out. But now obviously with podcasting, it's different. Like radio in a way is back. So my voice is out there a lot. But I hate. I always thought, man, I'll just do television, so no one cares how my voice sounds. But and you know when you when you're a sports fan, East Coast, I, I can't explain it to people from Washington State because they're so polite in Seattle. We we have we don't. We don't have that kind of rivalry tradition and being angry with certain teams. So what what was it like? Like, did you get that from your dad or something or just your friends? No, it's funny because, you know, my dad was uh, born in Italy and came over here when he was like 13 or 14 and moved to the Bronx. So he's not a, an American sports fan at all. Like he would watch games with us, but it he didn't care. Like he couldn't tell you when we were growing up the Giants record. Was or, he a football fan like Milan or something? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rome and yeah. Roma or whatever. And and yeah, big soccer guy and just didn't really care about sports. Even when he would come into my games, like I would play really well and you know I'd score 40 points in a basketball game or have four hits in a baseball game, and he'd just be like, "You don't know how to run." You don't know how, what you had to run. I'd be like, Dad, I had four hits. He's like, I'll teach you to run. You know, but like didn't even register that I played really well. Um, but my mom is a real New Yorker. You know, she's from Queens. Her is family. she Italian too? Italian no, American? she's Irish background. Her I family, see. yeah, Irish descent. But real New Yorker. Like her family's been in New York forever. And she grew up in Queens. And when we is she were a Mets fan, she was a Mets fan. Yeah. yeah. Mets and Yankees fans like my mom, uh, my mom's family, they were kind of friendly with Whitey Ford. Uh, the pitcher? Yeah, the pitcher. Like, so, so they had. It's so weird that you have all this crazy yeah, sports connection. Yeah. So my grandmother on my mom's side is a huge diehard Yankees fan. Yeah. But when I was a kid, my mom was from Queens, and the Mets were good in the '80s. So it was easy to be a Mets fan. So we just became Mets fans. But that's right. They beat the Red Sox in '86. Yeah. Or yeah. Exactly. And then '86, like that was really when I became a Mets fan. '85, '86, yeah. and they were good. And then '88, they lost to the Dodgers in the NLCS. And then obviously the whole thing with Roger Strawberry Clemens, yeah. and and Gooden and the drugs and the whole team kind of fell apart. But um, the the rivalry stuff and like is is really just going to games. And obviously, like I said, I was friends with Dan. We would go down to Philly to go to Giants-Eagles games. And the way Eagles fans are is a whole different kind of thing. They have this angst from never winning a Super Bowl. And Philly's a real blue-collar town. They're really, really assholes to fans that come in from I, New York. I, because I, there's a word. I forgot the, what's the word. But it's the word where... Um describes um people who were born in one era and they never leave and they're like Phil uh, Pennsylvania is like number one and number two in the whole union where most people stay born and, and live and die in the same spot yeah. so they have a very strong feelings about you know Philadelphia teams or Pittsburgh teams you know yeah. so I, I I understand that I've been to one of the game and I couldn't believe I went to the old, what is it, Veteran Stadium? Yeah. They, they had an in-house court. I was in the jail in, yeah. in Veteran <laughs> yeah. Stadium. Um, we got we we basically got arrested for being Mets fans. They were like, there's so many of you guys that you're driving these fans crazy. You're going to incite a riot. And we got arrested and taken to this jail under the vet. But the fans there, you know, like that. that's the real rivalry is like, 
for me, New York, Philadelphia, because Philadelphia is kind of lives in the shadow of New York. It's only 90 miles away. Um, they're kind of like the little brother city. They never won. And you know what I mean? Like the, the Eagles never won. The Sixers, it's been God knows how long since they won. Their baseball team finally won like yeah, six years Philly, ago. Philly won. No, the Phillies won in yeah 2006 or 2007 or whatever. But, but before that, never. And But that doesn't stop them from coming into our stadium and being assholes, being assholes to us when we go down there. So that's like the biggest rivalry for me as a Mets fan and a Giants fan is the Eagles and the Phillies. I mean, people in Philadelphia definitely have a reputation of being tough. If they like you, they like you. But if they don't know you, and anyone who's done stand-up comedy does rougher in Philadelphia, they're a fucking animal. Yeah, there. I mean, there's there's video of Bill Burr in Philly. Like, like 10, 12,000 people screaming yeah, at him. Yeah, fighting a heckler. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of New York-Boston rivalry, but I don't really have that because I'm a Mets fan and a Giants fan. And so the Yankees and Red Sox have a rivalry, and I don't really care. And then the Jets and the Patriots have a division rivalry. And then people go, well, the Giants and the Patriots. And I'm like, I don't have a rivalry with the Patriots. But that's a kind of recent thing, yeah, too. Yeah, we, we play them. I hope we go, we see the Patriots in the Super Bowl because when we do, we win. So yeah. I, I hope the, they get there. So I have no Boston rivalry. For me, the rivalry is Philly. And then obviously, as a giant, big Giants fan, I hate Dallas fans and I hate Redskins fans. But out of all the sports in the whole world, you, you're number one sports in New York Giants for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and you hate. Eagles number one? Oh, definitely. Well, why why is that? Why why Eagles? Because you know, the the thing is with the Eagles is you would think that they won all the Super Bowls. When the way you go they down, act? the way they act. I went to the game in Dallas this year yeah. at, at at the Jerry Dome and the Dallas fans were all right. You know, they weren't they were you know, when you walk into a opposing stadium with your jersey on, you're going to get like, "Hey, get out of here, asshole. Go back to New York or whatever." That's I understand that. But when you're in Philly, they're like, we're going to smash your windows when you're inside. We're going to cut your tires. We're going to fucking kill your girlfriend. Like, it's a whole other level. They're real scumbags down there. Because um, maybe this is not a good analogy, but at least Cowboys have won five Super Bowls. Exactly. And so they got laid before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way Eagles, it, it just seems like it's some frustrated guy that never got laid, so they're really angry. It's like, yeah, the e Eagles fans are like a guy who's never gotten laid, a guy who's literally a virgin who follows you around going, your girlfriend's ugly. You, you, you fuck that girl. That's gross. You've never gotten laid, bro. You've never been laid ever. You would think that they've won every Super Bowl. They're so fucking, they're horrible fans. You know, I've never been to a Raiders game. I've certainly never been to a Raiders game as an opposing fan. Yeah. I've heard Oakland fans are crazy, but the worst people I've ever been, <laughs> been around across, across anything is Eagles fans. It's, it's incredible. But to be fair, I went to um, a draft uh, to, uh, the year uh, Andrew Luck got picked number one. I went. That was the first and last time I ever went to an NFL draft. And I have to admit, Eagles fans were kind of like talkative, but they were like kind of cool about it. But you knew you knew this question. I was shocked. The worst ones were New York Jets fans. Yeah. And and uh, you, I, I, when I asked you, you knew the answer. So. Yeah, I, I could not believe how obnoxious they were. I mean, they won Super Bowl, but it's been, right. what, 45 Yeah, I mean, they years? won Super Bowl three, yeah. so it's like, yeah, it's 48 years ago or whatever. But um, the thing about Jets fans is Jets fans are miserable people. They're they're just like, you know, and it they definitely share something with Mets fans. Um, the Mets obviously won in 86. They won in 69. But, but Jets fans are just, they're always pissed off. 
because they're always pretty much bad. I mean, yeah. they, how many games since they won Super Bowl three? They went to an AFC Championship game uh, with Testaverde and Parcells, and they went to two recently with Rex Ryan and Sanchez and those teams. But that's it. Three, three meaningful games since in forty five years. So they're just like miserable. So the Jets fans would rather be wrong and just boo every everybody they draft. Just boo. We hate him. And then if the if some miracle happens and he's good, fine. But they're just they just hate everything. They're just they're just so depressed. And and I think they're gonna get uh, obviously they're gonna get rid of the coach. But I think it's a mistake because I think he's a good coach. He he never really had a real quarterback. I, I mean, Rex Ryan. I agree. And you know, Sanchez was not good for sure. But he his defense was so good that they really didn't need Sanchez to be great. But uh, just a little bit of a better quarterback, and they might have. They might have gone to a Super Bowl with with those defenses. You know, I'd like the Giants, I think, need to get rid of their defensive coordinator. I think they should definitely keep Coughlin. Um, I ho- I think they've been playing hard last couple of weeks, and I think I think it's a mis- I mean, who are you going to replace him with? Exactly, you know? exactly. And well, I think if you want to win a third one with Eli, it probably makes sense to keep the guy because they know each other. You yeah. know, like if you get a, if you bring a new person – they got to relearn shit, you know, and like, and we want, and so far we've won every four years. The year that we play the AFC East in the regular season is the year that we've won the Super Bowl. So we played that, the Patriots in that week 17 game, um, in 2007. And then we played the jets in week 17 in 2011. And next year will be four years again. So, you know, that would be the one that history says that we should get back there. But I would like to see, if the if the Jets fire Rex, I'd like to have him as our defensive coordinator. I think oh that'd be God. I think that'd be incredible. Just don't leave your house. Just move move locker rooms. Just come <laughs> over. Just come across the hall. Um, all right. So I I do want to go back because when you told me and, and you know you were saying such a matter of fact and I I know you weren't bragging but I when you told me I was just like blown away and you know. The, um, you, so how how did you meet Dan Mara? Like, you yeah, went so to some I, exclusive school or something? No, you know, we went to private schools uh, when we were growing up. But um, when when I was really young, when I first went to school, when I was in elementary school, we went to St. Patrick's. It was just a small Catholic, Catholic school, school. Mm-hmm. in in Bedford. You know, I think I had ten kids in my class or something like that. <laughs> And um, my brother, my younger brother, Mikey, is two years below me, three years below me now in school. Um, and Dan, Danny, was in his class. And, oh, so he's younger than you. Yeah, yeah. So okay. he's, he's two years younger than me or three years younger than me. And he was in my brother's class. But, you know, I had an older brother and then I had a youngest sister. But me and my younger brother, Mikey, uh, shared a room and we did everything together. He, you know, he was the guy we, I played sports with. Like, yeah. I was a receiver, so I made him a quarterback. And I played infield, so I made him a first baseman so he could catch my ball. So, you know, that's my best friend, my brother. Like, we spent all day, every day together. So he was friends with my friends, and mm-hmm. I was friends with his friends. And Danny was, you know, his best friend growing up. Just they were in school together. And so we would all hang out and, you know, go cause trouble around town. And then when you realize, like, when you're a kid, you don't really get it. But then when I got, a, you know, when you're a little bit older, like 10, 11, you're like, wait, so you own the team? So we can just go whenever we want. We go to the locker room, yeah. meet Lawrence Taylor. And then when you're an adult, 
like now I'm at high school, college and stuff like that. I'd be like, dude, let's go, you know, let's go watch a game on the sidelines. Let's go meet Eli Manning. Let's go, you know, hang with the team. Do you, do you know a guy named Jamie Johnson? No. Uh, he's the descendant of Johnson & Johnson Fortune. Okay. And he made it these two excellent documentaries that you could watch on YouTube. Uh, one is called Born Rich and 1%. And Jamie Johnson is a very thoughtful, kind, nice guy. But he feel really guilty and weird about growing in such a yeah. money. You know, And I think you see a lot of the old, old, old money people more on East Coast, I think. Yeah. So... Um, I thought he was really brave because one thing rich people don't like is talking about their business to people who are not rich. You right. know? So when he released that documentary, a lot of people gave him a hard time. Like, it's just basically who's who of all the rich kids in like New York City and yeah. Boston area, like Donald Trump's daughter and then this person's descendant of uh, Rockefellers and like on and on and on. And uh, I thought it was really brave of him to do that. Um, so. So that's one thing I want to talk about with with knowing Danny is, yeah. is, you know, a lot of these guys own sports teams because they're b billionaires and they can just buy anything. You, buy, you know, Steinbrenner was a was, you know, a shipping mogul. And so In he just Cleveland, bought yeah. the Yankees, you know, or Cuban was a billionaire tech guy. He bought the Mavs, the Giants, the Mara family bought the Giants for like fifteen hundred bucks in like the 30s or whatever. So. And they really. And, and I, I, I read, I, I read a little bit about it today, yeah. and they're basically saying it's equivalent of thirteen to maybe fifteen thousand dollars today's money. Yeah, that's how they bought the New York Giants. Right, back then. exactly. And and really, you know, Danny's mom is a Rooney, and they have a whole other thing. But they were very low. Like it was not. They were not one of these rich, powerful families of Westchester. It was. They're just. You know, they own the their. But and even then, it was like his grandfather parents own the own the yeah. giants you know and his dad worked for the team and his uncle worked for the so, team so danny's dan is it dan or danny dan i mean i call him danny but yeah i mean now i think he goes by dan like but his his dad's john mara his dad is chris mara so his 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 uncle is john okay and he's like the president of uh, yeah his, his uncle mm -hmm. is the president his dad's one of the scouts and the head of player personnel or whatever they're all involved in the team but that was the thing growing up you know they weren't like they they didn't live in a mansion or anything like yeah. that. They were just real normal, normal Westchester kid. And, you know, and it was just cool. Like, oh, your family owns the Giants. Like, that's awesome. And they he didn't really act like that at all. Like yeah. there was not, you know, like Johnson, the Johnson family who owns the Jets, Jets or right, owns yeah. the Jets for a while. Like that's the Johnson Johnson fortune is billions of dollars, yeah. hundreds of billions of dollars. And this is, you know, they really just own the Giants. And that's that was it. Obviously, a lot of them have gone to be six lawyers and doctors sure. and actors and actresses and Wall Street guys. But the family history was, hey, we bought the Giants. for Everything was in the Giants, too. You know, yeah. it's not like it makes a, a ton of I mean, it makes money, but it takes money to make the Giants go, sure. too. So it was a lot of that. A real, I mean, Danny's one of my best friends in the world, and just like a really down to earth guy. So when 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 you got to know him, and he, he did he just ask you like, do you guys want to come watch the game? Is that how it started? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he took my brother first one time, and yeah. then and then, you know, when I was a really young kid, like. I, you know, I'm a couple years older than my brother. Like, my brother didn't really understand football that much when yeah. he first went to the games with Danny. When I was really young, I was a Jets fan just because Jets and Mets go together. Sure. They used to play in Shea Stadium. But then, you know, I, it was like 85 or 86 or 87 or something like that, and we go to the Giants game with Danny, and you go hang out after the game and meet the players and stuff like that, and you're like, that's Lawrence Taylor. 
And like when you meet Lawrence Taylor as a kid, you're like, I'm a Giants fan. That's it. Well, so what, what what was it like when you? Okay, so you went to Jets game, but you know you you had a regular tickets. Once the game is over, you leave. But you're young, you're a young kid. You go see a game. I'm sure it was a probably a nice tickets, right? Oh, I mean, we sit in the box in the owner's box oh on the 50 God. yard line. You know, so, and, and and it was great because we would go to the games with Danny when we were kids. You yeah. know, when I'm 12, 13 years old. His parents would sit on in the box on the 50 yard line. Yeah, but there's at the 50 yard line. There's a box. That's just on the right side of the 50-yard line. There's a box just on the left side of the 50-yard line. And they had them both. And the box on the right was, you know, his grandparents and his mom and his uncle and his dad. And So all the Rooney tomorrow are just sitting next yeah, to Yeah, well, you know, the Rooney, his mom is a Rooney. But yeah. the rest of the Rooney's obviously are kind of separate. But his mom was in there and, you know, his grandparents. And, like, the real ownership of the team yeah. was there. And then in the box next door, all the grandkids... And, you know, it was like free chicken fingers and yeah. ice cream and whatever that. And so we would just be in the next next door box just with all the kids, just yeah. watching the every, the whole family's kids watching this game from the owner's box. And so explain to me, after the game, the first time you went, did he take you to the locker room or something? I don't know if it was like the first time, but when I was really, you know, when I was really young, you know, we went to the locker room. We'd go on the field before the game and watch warm-ups. Oh, my God. Uh, we'd get there early, you know, it, it's great. You walk, you come in the owner's entrance, you walk by the Lombardi trophies, yeah. you, you know, everybody knows their name. It's, it's the best thing ever. It's, I mean, I have a picture, I, you know, of me wearing the Super Bowl ring after the last Super Bowl of just, you know. Wait, did you go to the Super Bowl? I didn't go. I haven't gotten to any of the Super Bowls. I've, I always watch them at home. Yeah. Um, the year, the year that we played the Patriots, the, you know, the first two when I was a kid, yeah. you know, I'm not going to the Super Bowl. The, the 2007 when we played the 18-0 Patriots, I didn't want to go because it was so... My dogs are going crazy. I didn't want to go because they're 18-0. I don't want to go to my first Super Bowl and watch them lose. I thought maybe there's a chance we win, but I don't want to fly. Wait, wait, you could have gone? I mean, I could always say, you know, I really want to go. And then, you know, we probably get... You know, you definitely get us tickets. You might have to pay for them or whatever. And then the second oh, one. No. Yeah. Oh, no. And then the second one, I just didn't want to go to Indianapolis. I was like, I don't want to go to Indy. So I'll just watch I it. went to that one. Yeah. I didn't have a ticket, but like my friend lives there. So, like, fuck, I, I just need to go once in the town. They're playing Super Bowl and just feel the energy. And man, I knew Giants going to win because um, Indianapolis is not a big town, you know? Right. But they did an excellent job catering to all the visitors, and they're really nice. They need more restaurant next time around. But, but there was I don't know which building, which hotel it was, but it was officially Giants uh, Hotel, and they had a bunch of good-looking Budweiser girls and whatnot. But there was something about swagger. They kind of knew, like, hey man, we beat the shit out of these guys before. We, yeah, we know what it takes. And like, and it wasn't that New England Patriot fans were not like confident, but there's something was kind of getting to back of their head they, they're like fuck did, did we really have to play out of all the teams that they could have played yeah they, this is this is the one that they were looking forward to you know and uh yeah you just feel the energy and when i was watching the game like oh yeah here we go again you know yeah it's um i felt like we were gonna win that one for sure like just having beaten them before and that that was the year Cruz kind of emerged. So I was like, we got Victor Cruz now as a star. We got a go-to guy finally as a receiver. I mean, we obviously had plaques, the, that, but it was a di cold, different kind of guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't go to that one either, but 
Um, you know, I've, I went to the NFC Championship game when we beat the uh, Vikings to go to the Super Bowl against the Ravens. I've been to a ton of huge Giants games, playoff games, and all that stuff, but I've never been to the Super Bowl. So you met Lawrence Taylor. What's I, I, I like Lawrence because he was so honest, you know, like I can't believe he could perform because night before he probably was smoking co- crack or something well right? you know he there's there's stories that he used to send prostitutes send prostitutes yeah. to the opposing team's yeah. best player their running back or their receiver or whatever and they would just get a prostitute trope at their door all paid for and this you know but he was a really great guy he was like he wasn't he was he was another guy who was like like we said with the Theismann thing like he was a good guy yeah he got he's fucking smoked crack and he's been did a bunch of cocaine but like when you're the greatest thing that ever happened to the defense in football and you're winning championships like and you're in New York that shit's gonna happen but you know we would go we would get there early and watch warm-ups and stuff like that and he would be there way early he'd be there like hours early and he used to uh hit golf balls on the field in Giant Stadium just hit drivers like into the stands yeah you know he'd stand on one end zone and and hit hit the ball and like you'd go out there and Lawrence Taylor's just like hitting golf shots before the game and you're like shouldn't he be in the locker room should be warming up but that was the thing with Lawrence Taylor is don't tell him what he should be doing because he's how who how do you coach him just let him do what Lawrence Taylor does and Bill Parcell is concerned one of the you know he's got to be in top two or three four greatest coach in NFL right yeah just um, unbelievable he turned every losing situation into a winners right and he 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 probably knew like how to manage a guy like that, you know, you just, you don't tell him what to do. Yeah, well, if you watch, um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but NFL Network a couple years ago did the top 100 players of all time. And they would have, each player would be presented by somebody that was, you know, knew them well or they played against or their coach or whatever. And Lawrence Taylor, I think, was fourth overall of all time. I think it was like, Jerry. He he, he must be the first defensive player. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Jerry Rice one. Montana. Uh, Jim Brown two, Montana three, Lawrence Taylor four, and they had Parcells present Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. So he's telling him stories, and the one he says, you know, I had him in the game, and uh, and uh, he's supposed to drop back into pass coverage. We call a play third and you know five, and he's supposed to drop back and cover the pass, and he blitzes and he sacks the quarterback, and. I, he came it, off, I came off the field and he said, I said, Is this a story where Parcel told him not to do whatever, but he just did it anyway? Yeah. yeah. And he said, You weren't supposed to do that. You were supposed to drop out. And he's like, Sorry, coach. Sorry. You know, same situation later in the game, third and eight. He's supposed to drop back in a pass coverage. This time he blitzes, sacks the quarterback, fumble, picks it up, runs it in for a touchdown. Yeah. And he said, Right there, I said, You know what? We'll just come up with a defense that doesn't include you. And you do, <laughs> yeah, you you do, do whatever it. you want to do. <laughs> And, and I mean, that's Parcell's greatest coach ever just said, just do whatever you want and we'll figure it out. And I mean, I think that says everything you need to know about him as a player, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't follow NFL football, I mean, he was too fast, too strong. I mean, he was just like a freak of nature that they have never seen anybody who does that. And just and, like a wild man, like yeah. that one of those guys who just, you know, ran through people. Just It didn't seem like it mattered to him that people were trying to block him or anything like that. It's just... The attitude plus the physicalness was yeah. just insane. So Dan Marrow would take you and like you you met Parcell. What was it like meeting Parcell? Yeah, I mean I don't I don't remember I don't I never met Parcells like where it was like an introduction. Like, you know, I was so young. Yeah. I, I, we would we would go to these post game 
they what they had was they would have um, the Giants in the old Giant Stadium. They had a practice facility next to it, which was just one of those bubbles, you yeah. know, like you play indoor tennis in or something like that. And that's where they would practice. But then before the game started, you could go and the, and have um, breakfast there. Yeah. And it was all the players' families and VIP and whatever, free drinks, free omelets, free whatever. And then post-game, you could go there and have drinks and dinner, and the team would come after, and they'd all meet their family there. You know, so so Phil Sims would come and his wife and the kids. The quarterback, would, of course. Yeah, yeah, his wife and kids would be waiting for him in this bubble having dinner. And, and so after the game, everybody comes in, and that's where I met everybody you know i would we would go after the game we'd hang out and just one at a time the players would come out of locker room and come into the bubble and you'd meet the coaches and you meet the players and as a kid we're walking around sign my football oh my god that's whatever and then when i was you know high school and college it was just like you know i'm i'm three or four years younger than jeremy shockey i can talk to him like he's a person just be like hey man great game you know and you're just you just meet these people and talk to them like they're people. It's pretty Is cool. Is Jeremy Shockey still in the league? No, he's out of the league. And he's, he's another one of those guys. He got hurt the year we won the Super Bowl. He didn't play. I know he, he was play. a part of the team, but he yeah. didn't win. And and that was another guy who was like, everybody said, oh, that's it for the Giants. You know, Shockey's down. And it's like, they that was the year they won anyway. Last year when I stayed in Sweden, and then um, um, for me, you know, if you can learn to speak their uh, their foreign language, one of the best way to connect with people is like if you know the sports that they like, you know. And I did my best to follow football, you know, soccer, I guess. And you know, they were cool. I mean, I'm not going to disrespect them. You know, yeah. they were very athletic and whatnot. But you know, I had one of my friend I was staying with, Adil. He always make fun of the um, American NFL football, whatever. And I have to say, yeah, you know, I, I believe you guys that you guys, those uh, football players in Europe, they're athletic and everything. But they have no idea athleticism and just these guys are fucking giants in America. You yeah. know, and I, there's just I met Brett Favre and shook his hand. It's embarrassing how my hand looked like a child's hand. It went through his yeah. hand. And I can only imagine I read books about him. Like when when he was in high school, he would throw the ball so hard. The right receivers would break their hands. You know, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. And I can only imagine what. Lawrence Taylor and you know all those guys that you met over the years. There must be like almost mythological characters. Like they're so big. I mean, you're yeah. a big guy. I mean, yeah. Jesus. I mean, that's the thing. As a kid, it's it's really it's really you're really in awe of them. And then now that I'm an adult, I'm six four. There's there's a couple of players that really stood out to me as like, wow, that guy's big. Um, the first time you remember Brandon Jacobs, the running oh, yeah. back of the Giants. You know, he was a guy, he used to wear big mask and everything. So I didn't really know what Jacobs looked like. You didn't see him with his helmet a lot off. So we were in the game in the bubble after a game and Shockey walked in and one of their linebackers walked in and Brandon Jacobs walked in. And I, I thought he was security for Shockey or something. I was like, oh, that's just this giant guy that he found on the street who makes sure no one fucks with him. Brandon Jacobs is the biggest guy I've ever seen ever, and he was the running back. Like the idea that Wait, how the, tall are we talking here? He's six five, two seventy two seventy five, you know? Like six five, two sixty five, two seventy five. He looked like the biggest linebacker you've ever seen. He looked and he was the guy getting the ball, and I said, 
this is insane. He looked like a bouncer at a nightclub that Prince is going into. You know, like he's like, I'm here in case, the, in case NFL players come and try to fuck around. Yeah. Like I'm here to really sort of. He's the biggest guy. Ever. I was that was one guy. I was like, holy shit, because he what he was taller than me, bigger than a linebacker, and he was a ball carrier. I was like, wow, that's. That's insanely big. And if, if you don't follow the NFL, running back's job is basically receive the ball from a quarterback who yeah. ran um, against the defensive line or run around it. And he's famous for short yardage, but he's like a human ram. He yeah. just pulverized the defensive line and just running for touchdown. Yeah. And everybody told him how big he is, but, man, I, I didn't know he was 6'5". That's, that doesn't sound like a running back. I know. It was insane. I, th- I really thought he was, I thought he was like a, a security guard. Um, going back to Mara family, like, so you met most, most of, uh, like the family members. Yeah. I mean, I've met all of his family at some point. And then, and then obviously his, you know, his close family, his sisters who are the actresses and his brothers, like it, we just all grew up together, you know? And it, it was just, it was crazier seeing them become actresses and, and on TV and stuff like that. Did, than they, did they always have an interest in show business when you knew them? You know, I don't even know. I mean, like, it's it's one of those things, like, when you're going out, when you go over to your friend's house as a kid, like, we would go out with Danny and go over to his house where they'd come over to our house, and we're just out of the backyard playing football. Yeah. And, and there's little sisters running around, and you're like, get out of here. You know, like, you're just treating them like they're little kids. And, and I, I don't know, maybe they did plays or something growing up. I just remember... Um, they're beautiful girls. Yeah. And you remember Jason Seahorn was a def, uh, a corner for the Giants. And, yeah. And uh, his wife was Angie Harmon, who was... He proposed on, on uh, Jay Leno's show, yeah. Tonight show. Yeah. And Angie Harmon was on Law & Order. And so the first time we ever saw Kate, Katie, as we called her when we were kids, Kate on TV, she was on Law & Order. So I figured, I don't know, maybe... Wait, is she? She's younger than you, right? She's younger than me. Yeah. yeah, she's she's even. So Danny and Mike and my brother Mikey are the same age. They're two and a half, three years younger than me, and then she's a couple years younger than them. So she's probably five, four or five years younger than me. Um, she's probably twenty nine or thirty these yeah. days. Um, you know, she was like a thirteen and on Law and Order. You know, as like the gymnast who maybe killed the, her friend or something like that. And I was like, I don't know, maybe that happened. Maybe Angie Harmon got yeah. her on the show or something. Who knows? But you know, obviously they have they have a tons of they've met a tons of people all around. But um, the real shocking one was was uh, Rooney. I mean, first of all, her name's Trisha. When when we were growing up, it was just Trisha. Um, but when she showed up, you know, obviously her sister is making a name for herself as an actress. Yeah. But when she showed up, it was like okay, she's got a little small part in the Social Network. Whatever. First time I saw her was uh, the remake of the Nightmare on Elm Street or something. Right, right. Then, 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 of course, I saw her in um, Social Network, and just a beautiful girl. Yeah, and I got the feeling they're short, tiny girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're the beautiful girl. But um, I read Stieg Larsson's, you know, "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo." I saw the original Swedish thing. I even lived in Sweden for three months. In fact, saw the mom. Probably not even saying it right, but that—that's the area that story takes. You uh-huh. know. I even did a show at uh, uh, Uppsala, Sweden. You got to go soon? Oh, no, I'm good. Uh, Uppsala, um, which is like, I don't know, 40 minutes from Stockholm, where that's where eugenic, the idea of getting, getting rid of a so-called genetically inferior people away, that shit started in that whole yeah, era, yeah. right? And I, I love that sweet, Swedish version, but when I saw um, 
uh, Rini Mara, man, I, I thought she was, I couldn't believe it because I just saw her as this sensitive, sweet girl from the social network to this hacking punk rock. Yeah, you know. it was it was really a surprise for all of us too. you know, her sister did Shooter. Do you remember Shooter with Mark Wahlberg? And oh, she, yeah. And she had to be in like a bra. Yeah. And that was like a big deal for for them. Like it was like, oh, you know, she's like, so it was like, oh, my God. Like we had seen I'd read the book and, and I'd seen the Swedish version. And I was like, are you telling me she's going to get like raped and yeah. tattoo this guy and fucking the whole like, I don't know if anybody's ready for that. I mean, I thought she did an awesome job, but oh, she's incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that they I haven't heard if they're making a second or third. Yeah, one, yeah. But but yeah, that one that was really a surprise. I mean, uh, it, it's again, it's like it was crazy, you know. Just that's your friend's little sister. You didn't think, and now they're both. I mean, House of Cards is great, and and they're just all over the place. It's 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 nuts. It's it's crazy seeing you know people you grew up with just like all over the place. And I, and I have to say, I always like the word giant. You know, growing up in Japan, small country. Yeah. You know, you it's literally like these are like bigger than life. You know, and to be the dominant team in one of the major cities of the whole world, New York City, you know, it's um, I can't imagine the pressure the family face, you know, yeah. from the fan base to financial obligation and things like that. But I mean, Giants are definitely one of the most prized, respective franchise. You don't hear too many crazy story and to think your friend's family are somehow connected to Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, it's just I didn't even, you know, of course, when you told me, I thought you were joking for a minute, but I did. I did follow that stuff and. I thought, wow, there, there's got to be a bunch of winners, you know, to yeah. to have that kind of uh, responsibility. And, you know, I hate the fact the Seahawks lost to Pittsburgh Steelers, but I went to Pittsburgh and I got a hand it to those guys. I mean, grudging respect for them, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not- it's really I mean, it's really amazing. I mean, I, I don't think it's a coincidence, you know, that these two become my, successful. My, yeah, my, my friends. uh parents danny's parents met like it's not a coincidence that they met and hit it up because i mean their family's really two separate families that are like all doing it like if you read about the nfl if you read the history of the nfl they're really like kind of the backbone of the nfl these and and they did it the right way you know it wasn't like it was never signed the biggest free agents or or i mean the giants you know plaxico burst shoots himself boom he's gone like yeah. you cause trouble you're gone like it's not the kind of town where it's not the kind of franchise organization they really treat their players well and it's a you know they, they there's a respect to everybody yeah. and and you know they would never i mean the hard knocks which is the hbo show um fantastic you know, they've asked they've asked the giants to do it every year since found they're like never over yeah. my, giants don't have cheerleaders they don't they won't do hard knocks it's not it's it's about football you know it's about and Pittsburgh just, would definitely never would do that yeah you know? yeah exactly and it's the same thing you know there if you look at I mean the uh the Ray Rice thing when they when they Goodell this whole thing with Goodell they they investigated they, they said we're gonna put together a team of people to investigate Goodell it's the Rooney's that's right the, and the Mar- yeah you know they're they're like these these people are what the NFL, what made the NFL. You know, you got Jerry Jones and you got your big crazy owners and these guys who do all new things. But like these guys have, it's a family business. They've been doing it for you know as long as anybody. So what what does what does Dan do these days? Uh, he works on Wall Street. You know, he's um, th- that's another thing that's really cool about their family is like they want everybody to do it their own way. You know, 
go and work. But Dan, Dan went to law school, was went to Boston College for college, and then went to Fordham Law, and uh, and he was a lawyer for a little while, and now he works in a you know I don't know investment banking firm or whatever or somebody you know, and does does you know finance stuff, and I'm sure at some point you know he's the oldest grandson of Wellington, so he'll probably be in charge of the team one day. I get and, confused. So there's the old, the great grandfather, then there's two kids. It was uh, Wellington, and was it was it they have two boys? Yep, Wellington. I, I think it was maybe John as well, or John, and because I read that one of them was fourteen when the dad died or something. Yeah, but yeah, they, they, they kept in the family. I think yeah. they're the oldest franchise, right, in terms of keeping in the whole family. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I think so. And then, and then they, and then I think his, uh, his, his Wellington's brother, I think, is the one that sold part of his shares off to somebody else. But then it's still going down the line of, of you know, and Wellington's part of the family and. And kind of the oldest son or the oldest grandson or whatever is the one that yeah. takes over. So, so Danny's the oldest boy of his generation, and then he's got a son already who's the oldest boy of his generation. So, I think their plan is to keep it in there in in the family for uh, well, forever, so. forever. Because um, if I learn anything from Pittsburgh Steelers, they've only had three coaches in the last how many eight, fucking eight, decades? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I just hope I just want to keep going to games. I just want. Yeah. I still want to keep getting tickets so well, I, I, I don't blame you for uh, changing alliance because it's something about being part of it you just feel like you're vested and like you care more and, you know and that's the thing it's like uh you know on on sundays i i'm texting danny the whole time like we gotta do this do this why are we what was with this play and that and blah and you really i really do feel like i'm invested in and it's not about my friend owning the team it's just i've been around so many of the players and so many of the people yeah. that like i you know all of my friends are giants fans we're all we all grew up you know being giants fans and you know i've met eli manning i know he's a good guy he's a fucking cool dude yeah we've, we've talked like i i root for these guys because i know them you know and do you think uh we'll finish this in a few minutes do you think if they win another super bowl he should be in the hall of fame right well so here's the deal no quarterback that's won two super bowls except for um jim plunkett jim plunkett yeah. isn't in the hall of fame and if you look at jim plunkett's career stats he's got like 70 more interceptions than he's got touchdowns he was you know he obviously won two super bowls but he yeah. was he was by no means statistically a good quarterback i mean eli mannings has the most passing yards in giants history and the most touchdowns in giants oh, history. oh even and, more than chris sims yeah yeah and, and you know he's he's the greatest giants quarterback that there ever was and he's got two super bowls and he's got two super bowl mvps and his stats he his, if you look at eli manning's stats right now they're they look like Troy Aikman's, but a little bit better. And over, I mean, he's. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame already. Yeah. I'm a little bit biased. If he wins three, there's no way. There's absolutely no way he doesn't get in. So the, my last question is: What do you think? What did they have to do? Let's think. What did they have to do to win a next another Super Bowl with Eli? Well, I think that they're well on their way with uh, Beckham. Because, because, sorry to interrupt. Uh, because haven't they been kind of drafting kind of poorly last two or three years? Well, I mean, so here's the thing: uh, they haven't drafted like exceptionally well. Yeah. But Odell Beckham Jr. is Spider Man, really. Yeah. I mean, the way I mean, he catches those balls. I, yeah. He's having the greatest rookie wide receiver season since randy moss and you still have Cruz, right yeah we yeah. still have Cruz. he's hurt but he's coming back next year yeah um i think our offense is going to be fine i think we need to 
improve our offensive line. I think we need, you know, sign a free agent or really or first round draft pick this year has got to be an offensive lineman. Really focus on the offensive line. I think we need a new defensive coordinator. Um, I think with Cruz coming back, Beckham doing what he's doing, Eli's still strong. Yeah. I think Coughlin should stay the head coach, rework the defense a little bit. I would like to see them sign Jason Pierre-Paul. He's going to be a free agent and sign Antrell Roll. He's going to be a free agent. I know it's tough. You can't sign everybody, but I think those two guys are two leaders on the defense. Sign them and then rebuild your offensive line a little bit. Maybe sign an offensive lineman, draft an offensive lineman, get, get, some, get some change going on defense. But really, if you look at it, the Giants have had two of their worst seasons in a long time the last two years. Horrible losing streaks. Guys getting injured, you know, breaks all the wrong breaks not going yeah. their way. And both if they win on Sunday, they'll be seven and nine back to back years. Like for them to have horrible seasons and be seven and nine, we're really not. I mean, when we won the Super Bowl, we were 10 and six and nine and seven. So that's, a two, you know, if we can get in the playoffs at nine and seven, I like our chances with the guys that we have, I, especially with Beckham and Eli. Well, last that the last. Two times we won Super Bowl, they got hot at the right time. Exactly. I mean, they, 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 nobody wanted to play them. It was a punishment to be number one seed to play those guys. It, again, it's just like I was saying before. It's you know you have to go through a lot when you when you take when you take the risk of not playing a guy who maybe could play yeah. in hopes of getting him healthy. You by the time he's healthy, you might be out of the playoff hunt. But both those years, they took the chance, they got healthy late, and they went on a run. And, you know, if if obviously we could, I mean, we've had more injuries than any, but we have 25 guys on season-ending IR this year. 25 guys, you start the year. Injury with, reserve. Yeah, 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 you start the year with 57 players. That's half of your team is gone for the season. Um, get a little lucky with injury. I mean, I, I like our chances next year. I'm, you know, in the division with the Cowboys, the Cowboys look all right this year, but, I mean, are they, you know, the year we won the first Super Bowl, they were 13-3, and three, so. Is that I, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not afraid of the Cowboys. I'm not afraid of the Eagles. I'm not afraid of the Redskins. I like our chances next year. I don't even. I. I little little tweaks. I think will get it done. I, that that really was incredible. They won. They won every road game. Yeah. Since the regular season was ended, and man, it. it ah, I um. I remember some reporter asked Tom. Brady, like, yeah, one of the Giants say you guys are only going to score, I don't know, something. And actually, this, that, that score number was actually pretty close to the yeah, game. Yeah, they said something about, what, we're only going to score two touchdowns, whatever, but yeah. And then uh, I think I think he said, has has anybody held us to 14 the whole year? Yeah. And then, yeah, we, yeah, that was, I mean, everybody says, oh, the defense carried, yeah, it was a huge, to, to shut down that Patriots team to four, 17 points or whatever was incredible, but we still had to get, we still had to go down and get a score at the end of the game, and that's why I'm 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 the biggest Eli fanboy alive. You know I'm older than the guy, and I fucking love Eli Manning. He's because I, I I still love that commercial that they did ESPN. It's him and Peyton Manning walking down the hall with their parents. Yeah. And, um, um, Peyton that's this goofy things where he do a back kick and kick uh, Eli's. Ass. <laughs> yeah. You know they're kind of punching like two siblings. But anyway, Joe, thanks for thanks for doing this. It was such a last minute. Thanks for telling my story. That, that I'm just fascinated by it. Uh, you have. Amazing stories about sports. Eddie F. Just unbelievable. He told me Jimmy Johnson used to wake him up. Every I know. Morning. And Eddie, uh, Eddie's got crazy sports football background, and he doesn't even watch or play football. He doesn't no, watch football. His, wife's, uh, his father-in-law played for Philly and Pittsburgh. You yeah. Know? So, 
Uh, it's crazy. I wish sometimes I'm jealous of Eddie that he can that he can not be a fan because sometimes I get so I care so much that it, okay, it, it really it, hurts it ruined you. my whole fucking it ruins my year when the Giants get eliminated. But um, that's what I mean. That's what being a football fan's about. I'm already looking to next year. Odell Beckham, Odell Black Jesus, as I'm calling him. Uh, is, is like the he, future. He's unbelievable. And, and uh, um, sorry, I keep forgetting you. The, the Dirty Sport. I mean, how does that name of the podcast? Uh, yeah, so it's the Dirty Sports Podcast is on iTunes and uh, on Twitter at the Dirty Sports. I host out with Andy Ruther. Um, we do two episodes a week, and we talk a ton of football and basketball coming up. And then obviously the Kooks of Comedy with Lachlan Patterson. Uh, same thing on iTunes and funny shows and all that. But I just like the fact that you give your honest opinion because ESPN, they're just so uh, so massive. They have to have a good relationship with uh, different sports franchise uh, programs. But you you give your honest um, opinion. I mean, about I think that's the thing. I, you know, I, I I'm I'm a I'm a unbiased. I'm a very biased guy, but I but I also think I know sports. I I've played it mm-hmm. my whole life, and I and I I I'm a student of all baseball, basketball, football. So. You know, challenge me. If you think I'm wrong, call me out. But, you know, I, I think you listen to the dirty sports. We talk we talk it all. And and uh, thanks for having me, Yoshi. I appreciate it. And uh, what's your uh, Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter at Fix Your Life. Um, and then Instagram is just Joe Prano. Um, so, yeah, follow me on all that stuff. Any big shows coming up? Uh, um, I'm going to be going on the road with Lachlan in 2015. So uh, oh, good for you. Yeah. Lachlan Patterson is obviously going, you know, did the last comic thing and is be going on tour. So I'm going to uh, Webster, upstate New York, Webster, New York with Lachlan in early January, then Caroline's in New York, then Stress Factory in Jersey, and uh, you guys, Denver. You guys, you guys are like the Twin Towers. You, I yeah, think that's right. the tallest, tallest combo oh, stand-up. Head, headliner feature combo ever. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you, know, you can go to my website, joeprano.com, and check out my calendar, but also – uh, go to, go to Lachlan's page and check out his dates, and then tweet at me and ask me if I'll be there with Lachlan. But I'm gonna be doing a lot of shows with him on the road this this fall or this winter and and spring and all that stuff. So. And I don't want to get in detail because I suggest some idea for show for you, and I think you you would be good. And your girlfriend you've heard about it. Yeah. And uh, I hope we have a chance to do it because, um. You could help a lot of people uh, who love sports. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into that, too. All right, Joe. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me, Yosh. And uh, talk to you guys soon. 